Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day, this is Better Make It Quick. Osha here. Thanks for listening. This is a podcast that's a part of the Better Than Yesterday franchise. Just here to make your day today better than yesterday. That's all we're here to do. Since 2013, I've been trying to do that with this show, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I'm here. Mondays, Wednesdays with a guest, Fridays with you. Wednesdays is our opportunity to have a look back at some of the conversations we've had over the years. We've been here since 2013, so there's literally hundreds and hundreds of interviews. Bree Steele, one of our producers, goes back and she goes, this one, we should have a look at that. And she plucks it out of the archive and goes back and gives, gives another listen and pulls out some greatest hits and here we are. Uh, I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm a TV host. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm a mustache grower. I'm an IV antibiotic infuser. I'm a crutch walker. I'm a right foot, not weight bearing walking guy at the moment. I'm a couple of weeks out and more surgery and I'm here to say hi and thank you for being a part of the show. If you... Uh, like and feel like the it. I would really love it if you checked out Dad Bod, which is the other podcast I do uh, with Charlie Clawson. It's uh, two dads who made a podcast for other dads because none of us want to be shit dads. And I hope you can find it and enjoy it. So Dad Pod, wherever you got this podcast, you'll find that one. Today, we are going to go back to 2015, not uh, about two years after we started the show. And we're hanging out with Australian actor, TV presenter, and um, extraordinarily fit bloke, Daniel McPherson. I'm grateful to call Dan a friend. He has been on our TV screens for well over 20 years. And as so many successful Australian actors before him, Dan went through the, just the fame factory that was Neighbours. Uh, the Australian now gone Australian soap Neighbours. At the time Dan and I had this conversation, he'd just joined in on Neighbours' 30th birthday celebration. So I wanted to know, what was it like being a part of Neighbours? For me, it was my first ever job. I was straight out of high school. It goes to where five nights a week. So you're filming a huge amount of episodes. You know, you're either performing. You know, the biggest day I had was like something like 16 scenes or 15 scenes in a day. So you, you have to go in prepared. You had to be absolutely punctual. I remember Anne Charleston who who played Madge for years. It was one of the iconic sort of matriarch of, of the show. She said, you know, if you arrive at your call time, you're late. And, and that was kind of, that was the mantra. If you were, because there were so many young kids in there and sort of it was their first jobs and there was home, there was teachers in there. So you do your schooling in there as well and, and, and things like that. So, so with a lot of kids under 18 and I, I was like, I just started straight out of high school. But, um, but it was just, you, you learn about publicity and you learn about professionalism and punctuality and preparation everything it was it was it was an amazing type of drama school yeah and then you go to the uk and so the uk it was on twice a day and it was crazy i remember like coldplay when they first came to australia invited like toadfish and a bunch of his neighbors mates to come and see them play live at the chapel so me and and ryan had played toady and Andrew bibby who played lance and a bunch of us all went in and we were late because we'd been filming and Coldplay sort of stopped and was like, oh my God, Chris Martin was like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd quite walk all the way down, down the middle to the front row. There's like four seats for us. We sit there. They play the set. This is amazing. They've just released Yellow. It's incredible. Like, oh, they like finish up and they're like, boys, boys, come back for beer. So we go back into this, their dressing room, which is like this 
broom cupboard the size of this table, which is yeah, you know, two meters by two meters. And the, the eight of us are kind of cramped in there, you know, sharing like the two beers that are part of their rider, talking about what's happening in neighbors. You know, like it was there were crazy days with, with Chris Martin and Coldplay. And, <laughs> you know, it was, it was yeah, crazy days. Where did you put your Logie? It's at mum's house, actually. Yeah. 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 I think mum kind of commandeered that early. I think she she kind of put it next to this. There's like a couple of family photos. There's like my brother and my sister and my Logie and then a photo of me and Robbie Williams. So, <laughs> so the rest of the family's kind of lost out, you know, but that's how, it's, that's how it's ended up. The Logie is like the Emmy of Australia yeah. or the, the BAFTA or I guess of, of Australia. Well, um, that's, that's giving a bit of cred, but well, I'll take BAFTA. Look, you know, Television BAFTA. We'll take it's TV, <laughs> TV BAFTAs, the TV BAFTAs. So at the time, was Neighbours at the time production funded by any of the UK or... Not sure. I don't think so. Because there was a lot of politics when Fremantle and Thames and oh, mm. it was the bill. Yeah, it was all kind of changing. So, but as big as Neighbours was in Australia, it was absolutely gigantic yeah. in the UK. Did you travel over there at all while you were? Yeah, I, I did it. I did a lot actually. So, and and it, and it probably had the one of the biggest influences on my development as a young actor, to be honest. So I went over and did pantomime three times so every christmas we get a four-week production break we go to the uk and 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 sort of australian soap stars would be recruited for pantomime which which is kind of farcical comedic fairy tale musical theater which i guess somewhat of a christmas tradition over there yeah absolutely take the kids to the pantomime yeah so you know i played jack and jack and the beanstalk or or aladdin and 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 prince charming and cinderella did you ever get to say where yeah absolutely (laughs) it's behind you anyway (laughs) Um, <laughs> really? Anyway, uh, so much fun yeah. breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> oh, so great. much fun! Uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but you were working with these incredible actors who, who, you know, older English actors who'd been doing panto for years, but also been doing theatre for years and whatnot. So, for a young seventeen, oh, 18, 19, 20 year old kid who'd come from the surf at Cronulla to being on TV, to suddenly. The first one was a shock. I was like, I'm going over to Panto. They're paying me all this money. They're flying me over business class. I land. They're picking me up at Heathrow. They're taking me to the theater. They put me up in, in these amazing digs. The reality was we flew over. I landed. They picked me up in a car. We drove four hours north up the M1 into the snow and the sleet and the darkness. Then we went through a town and then went, oh, this is where the theater is. And then we drove like five miles out of the town, out into the Yorkshire Dales, into the moors, and there's like wind farms and there's tiny, tiny little light up on the hill. And we drove up this driveway to this pub and I kind of, it was this guest house and and <laughs> we're like, where are we? This is, I thought we were going to London and we're going to be famous. And But it was amazing. We spent like two months living in this beautiful guest house out in the middle of Yorkshire and it snowed all through Christmas. And then I played Jack and the Beanstalk at the Victoria Theatre in Halifax, which is a kind of hard mining, working class kind of rugby league playing town with beautiful people and beautiful hospitality. And and uh, it was, a, you know, one of many experiences, great experiences. Was that your first time overseas? Uh, it was my first time. We actually lived there as a kid. We moved over as a family. We moved over in 1988 to the UK. Dad's work took him over there and we packed up as a family and went on kind of a two-year working holiday. Uh-huh. And I remember when we first landed in, in the UK then, and the cab driver picked us up from Heathrow and, and took us to wherever we were staying. And as soon as he knew we were Australian, his first question was, what, what's happening in Neighbours? Because they were, I think at that time, they were like 18 months behind. So, like, oh, so if wherever we went, what happened? You know, I want to know about Kylie and Jason or Scott and Charlene and, 
I think Henry was there, yeah, which was Craig McLaughlin's character, oh, you know. Wow. And so, you know, all this stuff. So, so everybody was was neighbors mad over there. So it just opened up a whole new whole new world. For me. Yeah. I ended up living when I finished neighbors. I ended up living in London for five years after that, which I loved. And when it came time to leave, I was wondering, what do the bosses at Neighbours say when you go? The actual quote were from the executive producer at the time was, I don't think you're a good enough actor to leave. I think you should spend another six or eight months here working on your acting before you go out into the, into the marketplace, which pretty much was all I needed to hear to go see you later, fuckers, I'm out. <laughs> thanks for everything but i'm done (laughs) we we all we all kind of need that person i think absolutely and and they take different forms you know yeah i've certainly got that person in my life yeah yeah we all need that person who goes yeah you're not going to make it yeah there's somewhere there's the it's not spiteful maybe it is there's the really i'll fucking show you yeah And, and i think it a lot of people here in la you know, a lot of Americans, and particularly in the entertainment industry, say, so all of you Aussies are incredible. You Aussies are something else. You're all hard workers and you're all talented and you're all driven and you're all this. And you're, I was like, well, I think that's untrue. I think actually 5,000 Australians will come over here, 3,000 will leave, but the ones that stay are the driven, the ones that want to tough it out, the ones that, that will go, screw you, I'm going to show you that I can make this and I'm not going home until I do. And so the Americans kind of get this slightly distorted view of what all Australians are like. Mm. But, but I think there's a real hardiness and a real drive and determination in those that want to stay here and, and those that want to stay here and succeed and work. And, and, and also, who knows what success is? Do you have to be Russell Crowe, Sam Worthington, whoever? Is that success? Or, or is it, Claire Bowen, who's doing an amazing job on Nashville. That's a huge success in my, in my books. So who knows? Who knows what people judge success by? But, or, or, you know, or is it the fact that you come over and have an amazing five years of your life here, get to see America, and go home and get on with your career, you know, and go on with a, a rich, beautiful life. So what's success for you? Ooh. Um, I guess I guess I've always come from that kind of sporting and competitive nature. So there was a competitive element of going, screw you guys, I'm gonna, I won't stop. But I, I kind of success for me would be achieving what I know I'm capable of, or or at least achieving what I realize or I know is my potential. And so until I've done that, I probably if if we were to turn around now, to about three years in give or take. I mean, and, and for the last two years, we've probably done half in Australia and half here in LA. But if I was to turn around now, which I'm not, but, but if I was to turn around and go, we'll go home. I think despite the fact I've got a, a beautifully healthy career back home and there's been some really successful things happen here. And I know that I would go home a much better actor than when I arrived three years ago. I, this would still be a nagging doubt of going, oh, I didn't, I didn't achieve my potential. They didn't get to see my potential. I didn't get to do what I really knew I can do or knew what I was capable of. So, and the fact is also that we absolutely love it here. And so, for now, and 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 while we're while we're here, and we don't have kids to sort of worry about yet, or the responsibility of parenthood, 
we'll 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 keep and, and who knows we might even we might even stay here as parents you know yeah. it's a raising place but we're also you know Zoe's family you know grew, Zoe grew up in Perth I grew up in in the southern suburbs of Sydney and they were pretty spectacular places to grow up and raise children and and I and I would say that Santa Monica is equally as amazing to grow up and raise children so so we'll we'll cross that bridge if and when we get to it we'll hear about Dan and his success overseas right after this ad break. If you want a uh, ad-free version of this show, you can find one. It's at patreon.com slash osher. There's ad-free episodes and full video episodes there. But until then, here's some commercials because we got to pay the bills. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we're chatting with Daniel McPherson, Australian actor, all-round legend, lovely human being, very fast triathlete. He went on to find great success in the United Kingdom. He started the massive crime drama, The Bill. Neighbours is a massive deal. That's a big deal. The Bill, next level. I I wanted to know what that was like. Yeah, that was nuts. So that came about just briefly. I went over to the UK after The Bill and I toured. I did some panto for six weeks and I toured uh, for 10 months around the country. I toured Godspell the Musical. And then the producer of that musical, his brother was was high up at ITV, was the exec producer of the bill, came and saw the show, said, oh, actually, we're recasting the bill at the moment. He'd, he'd be great. I got a phone call the next morning saying, are you interested in doing you know, 18 months on the bill? So what the what the, the, the old cop show? like The, the, the landmark yeah, cop show. Yeah, but at the time, it was, it was kind of pretty stale and it had been around. It was kind of not in a healthy kind of way. And I, I just had these this visions of, Mustaches and cops in suits standing around, chasing people around a building site, chasing people around the Cockcroft Estate, <laughs> and uh, and then when I saw what had happened, it was just after that actually blown up the station, recast a bunch of roles, repainted Sun Hill for the first time in probably fifteen years, and, and kind of reinvigorated the series, and and so I started there, and it was and it, when I started it was. Took a while for that show to find its feet again, you know, because it had gone from being a, a half-hour crime drama to being, you know, one hour to being more soapy. You know, they had the first gay kiss on the bill just before I started, and half of the UK was up in arms about you know policemen kissing on TV and all this stuff. And I mean, this was two thousand and two, two thousand three, maybe. So everyone was like, "Oh, hang on, it's a soap opera, and it's this and and." And the, the new executive producer created a show called Footballers' Wives and he'd come off Footballers' Wives and into, into the bill. And, and it, was, it was just a bit of a, a, a jumble, 
the kind of the strength of that show emerged out the other side. And, and the strength was it was a character-driven, you know, East London, South East London crime drama, you know, and, and, and it was a great experience. So I, I was always worried that these benchmark cast members like June Acklin and Tony Carver and Graham Cole who played PC Stamp and all these people have been there, how are they going to react to this blonde Aussie kid off Neighbours coming into their show? And they were absolutely fantastic. They were so lovely. And it was actually the younger generation who were a little bit harder to crack. You know, there was a whole new bunch in there and there was a bit of a click in there. But but I made some great friends there and I settled in eventually and and, and it was an amazing experience. But those older kind of recognizable yeah. characters, they were um, they were just wonderful. And they all loved Australia too. Was it single camera? It was. It was single camera. Yeah. So there were three units running at every, any one time. So it was a two-story building that had a whole bunch of sets inside it so each unit was working on two episodes each and so it was a six episode span and they were shooting single camera we we're making we we're making one hour drama it was edit it was airing eight o'clock tuesday and thursday nights so it was and it was huge it was very different sort of television to neighbors multi-camera yeah a high turnover yeah it was kind of long scenes i remember they were long scenes big, too big long scenes blocking camera moves shocks shots yeah, yeah. Oh, you know it was kind yeah. of it was kind of like very different stuff yeah i mean it was kind of oh, i was going to say it was like the west wing on valium but no it was, wasn't quite it can't even put those two in the same breath but it was a lot of walking and talking and tracking through the office mm. and, and then you step outside and it's it is freezing and it is wet and and there are cars driving past and and the sets look incredible because they are the real, you're filming on the real estates, you know? <laughs> and it's, you know, it's just, I, I loved it. I, I did love it. I look back and, and I probably don't, didn't realize how lucky I was to be in my early 20s living in London on primetime TV in a great role, you know? Yeah. I just thought, oh, well, this is next. Okay, what's next? Now, at, at this point, I should ask you about living in London. There's a rumor on the internet that you live with Robbie Williams. Is that true? Oh, uh, no. Well, it's... Well, it's kind of true in the fact. Well, no. So, so when I was touring Godspell, I the other lead was a guy called Jonathan Wilkes, who, who's, who's still a mate to this day. But we were we were swapping the roles of Jesus and Judas. Johnny is is well known for not only being uh, a wonderful musical theatre performer and a great panto performer, but also for being Robbie's best mate, uh, or was known most. Back the then. guy that hides in the piano. In, in he, he pops out of the one in, what um, we did last summer in yes, the Edwards. Yes, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, when I moved to the UK, they'd just done the beautiful Royal Albert Hall yeah. concert. Which Swing was, when you win. Exactly, man. Yeah. And, and so so they did a great version of Me and My Shadow. So they were they were both, you know, megastars over there. So so yeah, we'd we'd tour the country together, Johnny and I, and then and then on a Saturday night after the last show of the week, we'd drive back to London. I'd stay, I think Rob at the time was living in LA, he just moved to LA. So I was I was I was actually sleeping in his bed, um, which was kind of bizarre again to be twenty-two. <laughs> in London, sleeping in his bed. And I apologize, Rob, if I ever didn't wash the sheets or anything. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's something that I still kind of pinch myself about. Yeah, they were fun days and they were great people. And they, it must have been insane family, then. You know? It must have been just, what do we call it the other night? The Hank Moody years. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I reckon they were, they were probably more civilized than, than they sound because okay. we were working home, the whole time. We, we were working, we yeah. come home and and we'd kind of drink tea and and sit in Lakers tracksuits watching flat screen TVs replays of soccer. You know, it was like we were boys, we were young boys. You know, we, well Johnny was engaged and Rob Rob was sober and and I was 
just me, you know, hanging out. I was, I was cool, you know. And that's Daniel McPherson. He's an excellent, excellent bloke. Um, seven years later, his career continues to skyrocket. He's most recently been on uh, Strike Back. He played a uh, counter-terrorist guy, did a bunch of seasons of that, like all over the world. Jeez, he's good on that. He's also in Foundation, the big Isaac Asimov science fiction gig, huge. And um, he's now got a new movie coming out in November. He's in it alongside Russell Crowe and Liam Hemsworth. Great human being, and I actually know somebody who worked on the foundation stuff. So this is huge Apple TV, massive Isaac Asimov, mega sets and whatever. And this person was saying, you know, some of the act- other actors were, you know, pretty intense. And um, and they said it was always a great day when Dan was there. He was like, "G'day, how's it going? Did you guys watch the football? That's unreal. Where am I today? Over here. Great. You ready? Ready? Action. We've got to get over there and get the ship. Cut. So yeah, it was good. For- yeah, it was just he's great." He's a great hang. He's a beautiful man. I love him a bit. So you can follow Dan and his, uh, boy, his enormous triceps, Daniel McPherson. He's on uh, social media there. The full conversation is back at episode 68 of this podcast. So scroll on back through the feed to find it. Thank you so much for being a part of it. I'm back here on Friday. Uh, big thanks to Bree Steele, who produced this episode. Andy Marr, who cut it up and edited it and made it sound way better than it does when I record it. Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of everything, and Toe Hider, who made all the music. Please go check out Toe Hider's brand new single. It's great. It's a quick listen, 47 minutes. Enjoy it. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you on Friday. Until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. (laughs) 